What's at the heart of content marketing? Why should I even do content marketing in the first place? How do I get the best results from it? If these are some of the questions you have, don't take our word for it. Let's talk content marketing with industry professionals. Discover its power and confront its challenges so that you can stand out from your competition. Join Ethan and Hendrik Baird from Baird Media and let's talk content marketing. On today's podcast, we've got Petra Marie Jacobs. She is somebody who I used to work with ages ago in my previous history in radio. And now we're going to be talking all things social media and marketing. So PT, how's it? Ah, no, Ethan, it's been great. It's great seeing you out here in the virtual spaces doing your thing. But I've been good. I've been safe. I've been sane for most part of it. So I'm happy to be here. Okay, so today we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff relating to marketing. But before we do that, let's just talk a little bit about you. So tell us kind of, for somebody who doesn't know who you are, what's your background? What do you do currently? I am Petra Marie, and I would always intro myself as I am helpful. That is all I am. Nothing more to it, but that's that's all me. I Basically, how it all started was I grew up on a farm just outside Pretoria. <laughs> so I guess funny plants. And as my bios say on all my social platforms, like I left the farm to chase the city lights. And that happened for me when I went to varsity, the University of Pretoria. I did a stint there, was a year on my melody, moved to Hatfield, and then I joined TuxFM. And that's where I fell in love with media and went out of it, got into the aviation space and then realized, you know, I love data analysis. I love everything that's happening in the news and being at the forefront of anything crisis related. And then I joined a media monitoring firm. And then from there in the media monitoring firm, there was a division that focused on social media monitoring. So a little app. And we built it out in the last five years. I've been working as the client and brand experience manager for the social media monitoring system. So where it was always just a product, it's now a loan standing business. So that has been amazing to see. What is media monitoring? Media monitoring. Well, that's a good question. (laughs) Look at it this way. It is you put in a keyword and you bring in everything surrounding that keyword in different places. So it can be in print media, broadcast media, as well as online and social. We try to give a 360 degree view in what we do, but it is looking at how your brand is being perceived in those channels and how are people mentioning you? Is it positive? Is it negative? And what are the different nuances and metrics you can get from it? So it gives brands an idea of, where they came from, and where they are going towards. Right, right. So I'm assuming this is more for a bigger, more established brand who has a lot of traction online. Is that kind of what I'm understanding about this? It's, it's not necessarily for like a small business. It might be out of this scope. No, it can actually be, no, every business. It could be for every business. So how it works with me, I have clients that maybe they get one mention or three mentions a week or one mention a month, or three mentions a month. It doesn't really matter. And then I have clients getting 20,000 mentions there. So it varies. But the essential thing of it all, and monitoring how your brand is being perceived and what the data says about it, essentially informs a small business to say, you know, this is what people are asking in my industry, not necessarily about me, but this is what they're asking about my competitors or the industry as a whole. And this is how I can answer 
to that need or the pain points that I find in that space. So you don't necessarily have to be big and have 20,000 followers or have mentions about your brand every day. You can be small and just see how you can fill a need based with data and information that you have available. So, yeah, not necessarily small or big. It's not just for big brands. It's for any person on the street. So this links to a discussion I wanted to have around custom avatars and target markets. So as a small business, we've been like slowly but surely figuring out who we want to serve, who we have served, what is the ideal client for us as a content production company. Can you talk a little bit about how media monitoring and the work that you do, how does that inform creating and refining your custom avatar? Perfect. So, of course, I come from a sales background. I come from marketing background, I come from media background. So, for me, I'd also say, oh, yeah, let's assume I want to market to these people and whatever. The biggest lesson I've learned over the years is do not assume. Don't make an assumption about things. Use data. And what I mean with using data, like if in your shoes, for example, is look back at the tools you already have available to you. So for some people, it might be Google Analytics, where you can look at historic data of who's actually visiting your website, you know, what are the demographics, age, gender, location, that type of thing, but also your social media channels. Who are the people actually following you? Is it just your friends that you just punt your page to your friends and they're following you and you're talking to them? Or do you have something specific in mind? Because remember, a customer avatar is potentially that audience that you want to reach. You know, the person that you want to go out to, not necessarily people you already have, but it's important to understand the people that are already, you know, clicking on your links and visiting your website. So from there, you can use the tools that you already have available. So I'd say if you have Google Analytics, your own social media platforms, we can check that out. But then have a look at what are people asking about your industry? So what industry are you in? So from there, you can use platforms like Answer the Public. You can use Reddit. You can use Quora if you like those platforms. I know it sounds very like old and, oh, goodness, why must I go into those spaces? But when you type in what your offering is to say, okay, let's say shoes, jogging shoes, for example, you pop it into those systems and it will show you what has been searched around it. And what happens with it is that you can see exactly what are people saying. So you want to engage with an audience that's already talking about your product or your service. And you want to see what are their pain points, what are the questions they're asking, because you can use those keywords that they're using around your brand for your SEO strategy. You can use it to write content about your brand and what it is that you offer. And then from there, you can also have an idea of how can I be of help? Like, how can I help you? What is it that you want? What is a problem for you? And this is how I come in to solve your problem. Because in business, you're solving problems and you have to make sales because if there's not a sale, you can't pay the person that's being creative for your brand at the end of the day. So from a sales perspective, try just as you would sell to a person on why they should, if you're on the phone talking to someone directly, why they should be choosing you, why they should have a meeting with you. Your social media and all of the content that you'll put out 
for your customer avatar potentially and that you want to reach, it adds to it. It's an extension of it because your social media is just a touch point of bringing people in. So never assume, have the facts and invest, invest your time, be consistent in what you push out to attract that potential audience. And because the work you do on the ground must also be the work you do on your social platforms as well. Yeah. And talking about like speaking to your audience, something that we've noticed, especially with small business, but it's all kinds of businesses, is that when we speak to a client and they want us to do content or marketing for them, what they are wanting us to do is do adverts constantly. You know, you speak to them, what kind of content do you want? Okay, here's our specials, here's our services, here's our products. And the reality is that like that kind of selling just puts people off, right? Like if you're getting hard sold at constantly, like people just kind of switch off and stop trying to engage. And it's more about being of service, making people understand that you know what you're talking about, speaking to them in their spaces, giving them freely information and value so that when they are ready to buy your services, you've already created that relationship, right? Exactly. And I know if you get asked to push ads the whole time, you have targets to meet. So at the end of the day, you're meeting your targets instead of focusing on, you know, there's so many rules and so many experts and people saying, oh, do this, do this, try that. But what works for you? Like, have you observed who's actually using your products? Who are the people that's actually in your store? Who are the people that are actually asking questions? And that's why I always say Answer the public's a great space because you can see online what are people asking about the brand? And then you target it. But with ads, it does get overwhelming. Therefore, you must look at your content. Is your content educating people? Like if you go on TikTok now and someone shows you how to do this chuckles from Woolworths, how to eat the caramel chuckles they've launched or this, you're going to go, wow, I, want, I need to try that, uh, honestly. And this cake, the cake that they had for a moment, the chuckle cake where you can hit it and you can do all of the things, it was educational. So that drove more traffic than any ad they've been placing, for example, on Instagram about it. So it was literally people educating other people on their platforms about it. So it's nice to do ads, but also organically. Are your staff posting or do you have like employee advocacy about what you are doing? You not necessarily have to partner with influencers that charge you 30K a post. You know, who are the people in your environment that are actually talking about you and are using your products? Get them to do something. So I would always say, Start with being educational, like have an educational aspect, teaching people what it is that your product does or what makes it cool because your product or service is solving a problem. And it might be difficult for certain industries, but if you take the time, you sit back and look at what content is it. Unfortunately, you do have to post an ad if you want to reach different people because no one will find you unless someone shares content or talks about you. But at the end of the day, word of mouth is fantastic um, and ads, it is a difficult space because it's such a risk. You're posting all these ads for at a specific amount of money and you're not getting that sell back from it. Yeah. And especially like in our experience, to actually do an ad strategy really well, you have to invest money and you have to get an expert who actually really knows what they're doing. Because if you're fumbling around on Facebook ads, 
trying to cobble something together from like two YouTube videos, honestly, you're not really going to get the results because you don't really know what it is that you're doing. And then you're spending a couple thousand rand on these ads that may or may not actually do something. I mean, ultimately, all marketing is is about talking to people, right? Like that's really what it boils down to at the end of the day. People buy people at the end of the day. You 100% on that. It's why people hire their friends in companies, right? Or hire people that they know. Like you might hire somebody for a task because you know them, even though there is theoretically a quote-unquote better person, more qualified person who could do this for the exact same price, right? It's about trust. And it's the same reason why word of mouth is still so strong. Like if I ask a friend, hey, I want to buy a new computer, what do you recommend? And then they send me a link. I might just buy that exact computer because I trust the person. 100. And that's why TikTok is so brilliant for e-commerce on that platform because it is word of mouth with a visual accompanied visual. I'm not saying everyone should be on TikTok and be doing this. I mean, your business are different. You can't, you know, it works differently across the board. But the best advice I ever got is if you do not use your product or you cannot afford your product, you cannot sell your product. So, you know, if you do a quote, for example, if you're in the service industry and you do a quote, you say, oh, this quote is so expensive. Like, is it expensive to you because you're thinking about your salary and what you can afford? And if something like 30,000 is is a lot for you, like, okay, goodness, I don't know if I can, I think I should give the customer a discount before I even negotiate on price. That's a wrong attitude to have. You have to go and say, They can afford this. This is why I'm marketing to you. But if you don't use the product and you can't afford it, you can't sell it and you won't be able to communicate that value or deliver that experience to a person that is changeful, you know, it's small change for them. It's that two rand they have in the pocket, but it's for you. It might be your entire entire salary at the end of the day. So if you are in that space and you want to look at it, you know, especially when you work for luxury brands, for example, It might be expensive for you, but if you understand it and you have that experience, um, it will help you sell it. And when I used to work in airlines, we used to have experience days on the airplanes. You had to experience business class, you have to experience economy, premium economy and all of those to have been able to create content and to craft an ad that would speak to that person that can actually give 25k out for premium economy instead of 12k you know or for business class 35k yeah because you had to communicate with the experience you had and you have to be used to it you know so yeah give people who's selling your brand a brand experience because that also adds to it it's interesting because it's actually a thing i've been thinking about a lot is trying really hard not to project my own money issues onto clients it's tough it really is tough because i know what my time is worth. I know that realistically, if you need, like say for example, one of the products that we, that we are offering is like a complete content production campaign. We produce like a bunch of videos, a bunch of blogs, like all the things you would need for a content marketing campaign. That's the equivalent of hiring like two or three staff members to do that, right? But then when you send out a quote, that's like a couple dozen thousand rand, you know, it feels like, oh gosh, what are they going to say about this? But if you're speaking to the right customer, and this is still something we're trying to get towards, but if you're speaking to the right customer and you know that this is the kind of company or person that would buy something like this, 
they live in a different world to you in terms of what they think about money. For sure. Remember, they have budgets that sometimes not their own. And I can tell you one thing from all my experience, people will give out more money for the creative output than they give out money for analytics at the end of the day. So that was a big lesson because, you know, I'm in the analytics space. So I'm like selling why analytics are so important. They're like, no, my agency did this creative thing and I thought it was brilliant. But you're like, the analytics is different. So you have to verify it. And then for them, it's not important. So people will spend money on what is important. And for you, it might feel like a lot of money. But if you show the effort, you'll get that return. But phrase I've learned, you know, especially in sales, you know, I never thought I'd be able to sell or, you know, work with people. But at the end of the day, it's relationship building. So you have to see it as relationship building with your client. You're starting with a phone call or if you did it through a lead generation system or all of that, it starts with email. It starts with hello, basically. And then from that initial hello, you can be either dropped in the first sentences or it goes to a meeting or it goes somewhere. But it's relationship building at every point. And then when it comes to pricing, there's always this phrase where I'd say, I was wondering if you could help me. You know, I've been working on this XXX. This is the price Y by X, whatever, it's coming to this amount. Would this fit in your budget? Does it does it make sense to you to put that amount to it? And they'll say, yo, I didn't think it'd be that much. Your, my budget I have in mind is maybe at here. Can you make it out? Help me work it. You know, but this, the most important part is I was wondering if you could help me because people will always help you. That's why I say I'm helpful. I'll always help you except if you want to sell drugs. But at the end of the day, it's about it's being helpful and feeling that you are taking care of a person in that relationship building process. But also in your initial meetings, have the question, how much are you willing to spend? How much is this worth to you? What do you think the return of this type of elements be to your business? And people are very open to discuss it because remember, but everyone runs off and say, oh, let me quote you. I'll quote you. And if you take this deal by next week, Friday, I'll give you 30% off and it's stuck for a year or two years. You know, you get this. That means you're leading by price and you're not leading with your solution at the end of the day. And that's what you're trying to do is you're solving, you're offering the client a solution to their marketing needs. Yeah. That's honestly a super good point. Like what I've been trying to do personally is try to negotiate not on price, but on deliverables. So say, for example, whatever, I've got 10,000 Rand for this project. They budget is 7,000 Rand. Now, instead of me saying, okay, cool, I can just take 30% off. I would like to try value my time and say, okay, maybe we cut back on this deliverable. And on this deliverable, we can scale it back slightly to get it down to seven so that my time is being valued. Because especially when I was straight out of varsity, I'll make my price as low as possible. I'll do anything for anybody. And that didn't really get me anywhere, honestly. And just a funny story I had recently where I was sitting in a meeting with a consultant for a client. So the client had hired this consultant and they were helping us make recommendations for the client. Now, I charge the client reasonably low because it's consistent work for my freelance. But we had already made all of these recommendations me and my colleague, we had already made all of these recommendations last year already. We need you to buy a better camera. We need you to buy X, Y, and Z in order to improve the quality of your thing. Then they hired a consultant at a really high rate who then told them the exact same thing. But now because the consultant is charging them thousands 
of dollars for this, they're taking it seriously. Whereas because I was charging them hundreds of dollars, I was taken less seriously. Um, I might actually cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 you can have it in because you know why that is such a brilliant story. We've all been there. We've all been there. When when I just started, you know, going and you know, selling off this product, it was like, oh, we were the cheapest. You were always considered the cheapest. So a lot of people say, but why are you so cheap? And over the years, now it's a few years down the line, now I can charge a price because I'm charging online items, of course. But I know that what I'm giving is a value. And that's why consultants, <laughs> so in the news, we all have heard of all these consulting firms that are currently being cracked down due to Gupta links and all of that. So yeah, it's exactly that. It is you walk in, you look the part, you are talking the talk and you're like, shop. 500,000 rand for this session. And I said, what are you going to do? You're going to go, this person, they are selling themselves. They are, they must have, you know, they must have it. So what do you do? They sold trust based on human psychology because we work, you know, our minds work brilliantly. So if someone looks a specific way, dresses a specific way, and there's specific colors that they're doing, their body language is carrying them in a specific way. That's what you're going to buy without thinking about what it is that you actually have. So you will find clients, especially in the corporate space and agencies even, that have multiple suppliers doing the exact same thing. But because one looks different or sells themselves, you know, they have a hook. They'll definitely make use of it and never let go of the one. But they'll easily drop you and say, oh, no, but it's cheap anyway. We'll rather spend all this money on this project and we know it's going to get done. So that's a very important thing to do is communicate value and say why you are doing it at that. And why is it? Is it because you are a South African-based you know, company? That's why you can, because you don't outsource anything. You do your stuff yourself. That's why you might be cheaper than the competitor. But the consultant, there's a lot of glamour about being consultant. Not nothing against consultants. I think they do a brilliant job. You know, I've been in those situations as well, and they do really great work. But they are taught how to do it differently, and that's why you have to make sure when you have a team of people, is that the person you put in front or the person that is the face of your business is that they carry themselves in that way. But that comes back to your brand experience and how it is your company culture, but also the clients that you are approaching. Do you have shared values and are you just another supplier or are you a partner for them? It's a difficult space because I know you want to sell your stuff yourself, but sometimes you do need a person that can maybe, even if you sit with a consultant saying the exact same thing to carry that out for you because people will go to the relationships they trust, which brings us back to that friends, hiring friends type of thing, people hiring people, people buying people, because it might be relationships that have come over time or very convincing people that can sell it. Yeah, because I mean, what's that quote? is like people buy with their emotions and then justify with logic after the fact. Yes, I haven't heard that in the longest time. It is, I kind of forgot about it. It's so true. You're right. But it's nothing. How can I say, as long as you do an honest job, you do an honest job, you can close your eyes at night, sleep well. If you do get sleep, I say sleep is for the wicked lately. But um, how can I say, if you know you did an honest job, the world isn't always fair. But if you wait a while, 
you know, and you play the long game with the person, staying in touch, staying in touch. When that person that they paid twice as much for fails, they know where to come to. I've seen it and I cry at night because you take your failures personal. You go, oh, I failed. I'm the worst person. I can't do a sale, you know, but then you realize remove yourself from the business and it's not you. <laughs> it, is the, it is the product maybe, but it's not, it's not always the product, but the product is an all-star and it will save you or it's something someone will fall back on because they'll remember you. So if someone else fails or closes down, it gives you an opportunity to get in there, but play the long game, just like an investment, play the long game, stay in touch, be consistent, and you'll see that business coming back to you, especially in those type of situations. Awesome. Okay. This has been a great tangent. I had some questions prepared, but we've already run through quite a bit of our time. But one thing that we did want to discuss is relationship management. So this is a topic that you suggested we talk about, and I think I'd love to dive into it. So let's discuss relationship management between a brand and their suppliers. Okay. Relationship management between a brand and suppliers. So when you onboard or outsource anything, you know, if you outsourcing creative or you outsourcing ads or you outsourcing SEO or you, you're doing outsourcing your analytics, it's important, you know, to have someone prove to you why you should take them on. If there's no track record, if there's no you know, solid thing that they can show you that works, you must go, oh, it's a bit dodgy. What are the results? What were the things? Why did you choose them? But when you manage that relationship and you onboard the people eventually, it's important to treat them as partners. It's just not great if you get treated like a supplier to say, I only need you when I need this, or I only want you if I need this output. It has to be a relationship, you checking in, even if it is the supplier doing the work on it, because I mean, you want to keep the business. So of course, you're going to do the work that it does to keep a friend. But also make sure that each interaction you have is educational. That if you spoke to your client that, oh, I actually just learned a lot. And then they'll go, hey, listen, I was wondering if I could ask you about this. And then you're like, haha. I'm being trusted with some information. But a lot of corporates, you know, and also brands or whatever you want to call it, let's say companies, your service is maybe 0.25% of the entire job for the day or for the month or for the year. So they might not give you that attention that you need, you know, to understand, okay, this is why you need to keep me on as a supplier. So you have to understand they have a busy day, they have a busy schedule, you're the last thing on their mind for the stuff that they need to deliver on. So when you are building that relationship as and you are the brand, just give some time, like have once a month some time for your suppliers, but do not just treat them as a supplier. Have a partnership because it, at the end of the day, it is a win-win situation. No one is there to ask you. No one is there to you know get you out of the business or tell you you're bad at your job. It is there to achieve the same goal. And if you communicate those goals from the beginning, saying this is my goals and my deliverables that I need to deliver on a month, how do you help me? Then, of course, people will see value. And be quick, be efficient. I know that is something that I hear lately, everyone just saying, I have been hired to make this efficient or have our campaigns be efficient. But what is it? What does efficiency mean to you? And if you as a supplier understand what that efficiency means to a client, because they probably have a performance appraisal they have to account for, 
that deliverable. So then you know how you can help people. But yeah, treat them as partners and not just someone you call when you're dying. Yeah, I think to summarize the entire discussion, it really is just all about communication, right? Everything that we do, marketing, all the different channels within, all the different people that you're talking to, it's about like communicating and being like actual human being to other people and not just seeing everybody as commodities. Exactly. And, you know, being helpful, delivering something that's useful and being helpful. So if you have those two things together, I think you great success. <laughs> awesome. Pichamari, thank you so much for the discussion today. This was super awesome. How can people find you? Should people find you? How do we do that? Oh, please don't find me. No, I'm just kidding. You can come reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's Petra Marie Jacobs or on Twitter. It's just Petra Marie um, or TikTok. I, yeah, um, a lot of the stuff, if you want to see what I get up to and where I really work and do all the things, you can go reach me there. But LinkedIn, Twitter and all of those things. So social media, especially. And then from there, we can always take it to emails if you can. Perfect. Yeah, and I'll put all the links to your LinkedIn and everything in the in the episode description. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ethan. This was great. If you want to join the conversation, find Ethan and Hendrik on LinkedIn. Also, visit the Baird Media website to look at the range of content services we provide. You will find all the links in the podcast description. Next time on Let's Talk Content Marketing. Non-marketers believe that certain awards kind of put you at that top 1%. The reality is they don't because it depends on which award you're winning. Many of them you've got to apply or nominate yourself or, you know, it's actually just a marketing point. It's a list building strategy. Good marketers know list building strategies apart from awards, genuine awards, you know. This has been a paid media production. 